Chris Young simply cannot be stopped in his first deadline in charge of the Rangers. He's acquired two starting pitchers and a key reliever, all without mortgaging the future. On today's show, we're breaking down all that and more of a wild weekend from Texas Rangers baseball. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Monday, July, July, July 31st. Your Rangers are 60 and 46 alone in first place atop the AOS with a one game lead over the Houston Astros. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube for the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, on today's show, we're breaking down a wild weekend with two huge trades and unfortunately, two more trades than their war wins for the Rangers this weekend in San Diego. A miserable, ugly, no good, very bad, horrible series sweep loss to the San Diego Padres, which might keep the Padres in the mix. So maybe for some reason it might be a good thing keeping those Padres in the mix, which means that Blake Snell maybe won't go to a contender in the American League or the National League. The Rangers won't have to face him in the playoffs. And if the Padres end up missing out on the playoffs, but this is a frustrating week for the Rangers offense, who was down at two key bats and just did not look up to stuff against three very good San Diego Padres pitchers in Joe Musgrove, in Hugh Darvish, and Blake Snell. This team just looked overmatched, but they did get good news on the starting pitching front. Some not great starting pitching from the Rangers this weekend. An okay outing from Cody Bradford, who went three innings and just allowed one run, but again, he was your mop-up spot starter because Nathan Evaldi was supposed to start, but he went on the 15-day IL. Hopefully, it will just be the 15 days. I talked a little bit about that on Sunday show, getting a gym, jam-packed, locked-on Rangers schedule. So many episodes, so much content. Um, just Check it all out because all all very different, all very important stuff. But the Rangers are getting some reinforcements in their starting rotation. A big trade with the St. Louis Cardinals, of course, a rebuilding team as we all expected, acquiring left-handed starting pitcher Jordan Montgomery and right-handed reliever Chris Stratton in exchange for Thomas Jacey, John King, and Takoa Roby. A big trade for the Rangers, continuing to bolster their starting rotation. It makes me a little nervous about the Nathan Eovaldi injury. Maybe this is just precaution. Maybe this is something the Rangers were going to do anyway before they announced that he was going on the 15-day IL. But I think it's a smart move, and it was something that I, I thought that they should do as I was recording. The Rangers made that trade, so of course they did that, because why wouldn't they make a trade in the middle of me recording my episode that I wouldn't see until the very end? Um, but still, this is a move that the Rangers needed to make. They needed to bolster that starting rotation. They needed more guys in the starting rotation that they could trust in a playoff game at this point they had. Two. Then they acquired Max Scherzer, so that made it three. One of them is currently on the IL, so that made it back down to two. Then you get Jordan Montgomery back in there, and you are at three. And if Nathan Eovaldi is fully healthy and ready to go, like the Rangers expect him to be, at the very least by the playoff time, the play- time that playoffs start, then the Rangers have four bona fide, very good starters adding to their rotation. If you don't know much about Jordan Montgomery, because he's been pitching with the St. Louis Cardinals in the year of our Lord 2023, a very bad baseball team, then I would not blame you. He's been worth 2.1 baseball reference for a 342 ERA 
ERA in 21 starts, 121 innings, uh, a few, uh, a little bit fewer than one strikeout per inning, but not a guy who walks a whole lot, not a guy who allows a lot of home runs, 2.6 walks per nine, 0.9 homers per nine, a lefty at 6.6, who is pretty good, pretty good this year, and has been pretty consistent in his career. Not anyone that's going to blow your doors off. Not anyone who's got the most insane, incredible stuff, but the fastball spin rate works. I mean, he's averaging 93 miles an hour with his velocity. Spin rate is literally exactly league average, 50th percentile, um, but does not get hit hard, does not allow a lot of walks, doesn't strike out at an elite rate or get an elite amount of chases, but He's just a good, solid starting pitcher that you can count on. This is about what I thought that Martin Perez would be this year, a guy with about a 3.5 ERA who doesn't have the flashiest stuff but knows just how to pitch. Martin Perez just has not been that this year. I thought maybe the Rangers would, would see some kind of version of Andrew Heaney from last year with the Dodgers, but it just has not been the case. Dane Dunning has stepped up, and he might be the guy of those three that I trust the most right now to make a playoff start, but that's just... Maybe not the case, maybe not going to happen for the Rangers this year, but they did give up two of their five picks in that fantastic 2020 draft to Cole Roby, their third round pick from that year, and Thomas DeJacy, their fifth round pick, both prospects that I really liked, but not ones that I'm going to lose sleep over them being included in this deal. The Rangers needed to make this deal. Also, Chris Stratton is a guy who has not the flashiest fastball, but the spin rate on all of his stuff is what really catches your eye when you look at his baseball savant page. The fastball spin rate is in the 97th percentile in all of baseball. The curveball spin rate is in the 99th percentile. Strikeout rate in the top third of baseball. Doesn't walk a whole lot of guys. Doesn't give up a whole lot of hard contact. And even though the ERA is a little bit north of four, that might be due to the Cardinals' bad defense, which, yes, is a thing that you can say about the St. Louis Cardinals this year because everything has just gone terribly wrong for that team. So good on the Rangers for getting a reliever, which they could always use more relievers, especially righties, in their pen right now, and adding another starter that is reliable. And this is this is a big year for Chris Young. His first deadline, the team overachieved for based on expectations and they're here they are they are here leading their AL West they are leading um, by not very much after that rough week of games this rough six game road trip where the Rangers lost five out of six including two out of three to the Astros just have that one game lead but we are seeing that Chris Young is desperate to get into the playoffs but he is not mortgaging their future this is part of the reason why you build up a farm system to have so many good prospects you're not going to be able to use all those prospects on your big league team not all of them are going to work out sometimes you're going to have to trade some of them for for you know reliable big leaguers which the rangers just got three of them in the past 48 hours that is a huge deal for the rangers and something that i think is the right move I don't think that prospect clutching, pearl clutching of, oh my gosh, well, they, they can let up this guy. And oh, well, what if this guy turns out to be the best version of this guy? What if this guy, you know, you know exactly what you're getting in all of these big leaguers that you traded for. All these guys are veterans. All these guys have been around. And just breaking that playoff drought is a huge, huge deal for this Rangers franchise. It has been a long time 
since they made the playoffs. And it really, really feels like I am glad that Chris Young is using his first year to be aggressive. It seems like other teams are not being as aggressive and don't have as deep a farm system as the Rangers. The other teams in the AL, the Rangers have one of the best farm systems. The only other team with a better farm system that is in the playoff hunt, I would say, is the Baltimore Orioles. They're not spending a whole lot of prospect capital. So if they're not going to go all in for all for this year, then why not the Rangers? I like that Chris Young is doing that. He did in free agency. He's doing it again at the trade market, and I have loved what he has done so far this season. Coming up, we're going to talk with Locked On Mets about how good is Max Scherzer, really why the Mets were willing to make that deal, and how aggressive the Rangers have been from an outside perspective, and if that makes sense. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you want to bet on the Rangers to win the AOS, I bet those odds just got a little bit worse for your betting pleasure because the Rangers made these big trades. If you want to bet on the Rangers to win the World Series, you're feeling really good about those odds and what Chris Young did at the deadline. You can go do that at FanDuel. That's, you can... It's all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. You don't have to wait around for all kinds of other stuff, but FanDuel just pays you instantly. There is no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner, Major League Baseball. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day on tomorrow's show. We'll be breaking down maybe even more trade deadline madness, kind of getting you my head around all of what's happening. The Rangers take on the White Sox this week. You can catch every pitch of the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers have made two big trades. I don't necessarily think that they're done. I think there is still more in the cards to improve that bullpen, which has been up and down, does have some good pieces, but still could always use a little bit of tinkering and a little bit of improvement, especially depending on what the return will be. But one one addition to this Rangers team after watching... This weekend series may be thinking the Rangers need a freaking bat. The Rangers need to hit. They need some kind of offensive improvement. It has been a rough second half for Leody Tavares so far. I do still think he'll bounce back for it. I don't think he's going to turn into as much of a pumpkin as he did in the second half last year, but I do still think the Rangers could use a little bit of offensive improvement. And I think that it is just about time to hear from Evan Carter at the big league level. I'd like to see him get his feet wet a little bit in AAA before the Rangers just call him straight up to the big leagues. I don't want the Rangers to just rush and panic move him up to the big leagues because the offense has scuffled just a little bit in a three-game series. I think that's a huge overreaction. But I think by the end of this season, we will be seeing a lot more of Evan Carter, maybe more maybe more Ezekiel Duran at DH when it comes to the playoffs and having an outfield defense of Evan Carter in left, Leo Tavares in center, and Adoles Garcia in right field would just be mm, absolutely excellent. Absolutely excellent, I think, could be the move for the Rangers. But it has been, there's not a whole lot of bats that I would trade for on this market. There's not really, especially now that Randall Gritschuk and CJ Krohn are both gone, they have been traded to the Angels, the only other team in the AOS that's actually being aggressive at this deadline. I mean, we might see a Justin Verlander reunion 
with the Astros, but I'm not thinking that that's nearly as likely as a move to the Dodgers, which it seems like the Dodgers are very much in reports to trade for Justin Verlander, according to Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. But I have loved what I've seen from the Rangers going all in this season, and I think the Mets fans have also loved seeing uh, their team decide to be smart and tear it down. But Max Scherzer has not been the best version of himself, but I do know a guy who knows all about what Max Scherzer has done this season. Let's welcome on our special guest, Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets. I am joined by Ryan Finkelstein, host of the Locked On Mets podcast, talk about this big, big trade, which as you're listening, maybe the Rangers and Mets have each made 17 more trades since it's happened. Ryan, how are you doing? How are you feeling about the the New York Mets trading, sending all of their aces down to Texas. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel great about uh, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom being teammates again. I felt like it was too short of a stint for the two of them, so glad they get to reunite there in Texas. Uh, Crazy, crazy turn of events this weekend. Uh, I thought that an ace could be heading to Texas from the Mets. Uh, I just assumed it would be Justin Verlander, not Max Scherzer, but here we are. Did you think that he would be heading to the Texas Rangers or to the Houston Astros? Is that Was that your initial vibe? So so my thought with Verlander was I was hoping for an Astros-Rangers bidding war on Justin Verlander. That's what I was hoping, and I actually did think that the Rangers were the team with the better farm system that would give you the package you wanted in that scenario. But instead, the Mets trade, I think, the ace that they would rather give up in this circumstance, and you know they, they get a prospect back that is certainly worth their while. Yeah, it was definitely a prospect that's worth their while in Luis and Acuna. I think he could be an everyday starter for the Mets. He was just playing center field earlier this week, and uh, we saw him playing there over the Rangers' top prospect, Evan Carter, which the thought prevailing thought was, oh, someone wants to get a look at him in center field, and I guess, I guess that team was the Mets. How are you feeling about that return that you got from this ace trade? Uh, you know, look, I think there's a lot of people now put Acuna as the best prospect in the Mets system, so... Anytime you can pull that off at the deadline, you feel pretty good about it. Uh, you know, bottom line here, I, I think the Mets just bought a prospect. Granted, you're trading Scherzer it is uh, obviously going to hurt their 2024 rotation. But this year, where are the Mets going? So you, you worry about next year, next year. You send a lot of money to Texas, and you get a prospect that you probably shouldn't have for the player that Scherzer has been this year. But the money is a big factor in this. The fact that the Rangers are ready to make a run is a big factor in this. And, you know, they get a pitcher that has a ton of postseason experience. They can put atop their rotation. And I think also a guy that they can be pretty confident is going to be able to take the ball with some of the injury concerns they've had this year. Yeah, they definitely had some injury concerns. They just put Nathan Eovaldi on the 15-day IL. They're feeling confident about that. But, you know, immediately, like hours later, they they make another trade for another another starting pitcher in Jordan Montgomery. I'm curious, what are your thoughts as an outsider on the Rangers going all in on this year? You've clearly seen some of the perils that can be had for a team going all in on a shorter window, which it seems like the Rangers are doing. Do you think it's a smart move for the Rangers, or do you think they might be uh, jumping the gun a little bit? I feel like this AL West race is one of the most exciting to watch down the stretch here. The fact that you have Otani looming and all of it, of course, but those two teams in Texas, the the fact that the Astros have just owned that division full seasons the last you know, five times through, it's it's a really fun race. And I do like that they're going for it because they should. They they've you know what you like to see at the deadline is is teams sort of following through on what a hundred game sample size has showed us. For the Mets. 
it showed us that they're not that good and they're not going to make a run this year. The Rangers have gone out and, and those guys in that clubhouse have won games consistently and proven that this is a team that can make a run. You want to make sure you get in the dance. And I think that the Montgomery trend in particular is, is that type of a deal. It's let's make sure that we get there, that we, we make the playoffs. Cause the last thing you'd want was such a tight race in the wild card on top of the division is for a second half collapse here where something doesn't happen because of pitcher injury. So now you fill out that rotation, you put yourself in a better position and if you do get to the playoffs, you got a lot of arms you can go at teams with in, in those rounds. Yeah, they definitely do and have a lot of guys with postseason experience. And I, I remember when Jacob deGrom signed with the Rangers and the, the, the initial pros, press conference was, oh, I want to compete for a championship. I, I feel like both of us were putting about the same amount of confidence on that happening this year. How surprised have you been with what the Rangers have done, even with the the one month that they got from their ace, Jacob DeGrom. You know, I, it's been it's been surprising. I thought that they would be good. I didn't think they'd be this good. I didn't think they'd be, you know, in first place for much of the year, absolutely. And honestly, the first time that I felt that they were legit, and this is me from an outsider perspective because I'm not keyed in as much, but seeing how upset Jacob DeGrom was for the Tommy John, granted, a lot of that is this guy loves baseball and doesn't get to play for a couple of years. But I felt like there was more to the tears in that here's a guy who's not played with a lot of good baseball teams. Trust me, I have watched his whole career. Um, last year was one of the few times, 2015, another one. And, you know, he was hurt for much of last year. 2016, another year, he was hurt down the stretch when the Mets made a push to the playoffs. So I felt like he saw it early that that team had a chance and he was going to be a big part of that. And I think that was part of why he was as upset as he was and the way he referenced you know, wanted to compete with those guys. So, yeah, I thought from that point, I'm like, maybe there's something there, but how do they deal with that DeGrom? And they've just done amazing to um, get by it to this point. Now you have reinforcements that really do finally fill that massive void he left. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the reinforcements, Max Scherzer, you said this was the ace that you felt the Mets were more comfortable parting with. Why do you think that is? Well, because he's given up 23 home runs this year. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that, it's been a weird season for Max Scherzer. Uh, you know, he's always very vocal. You'll, you guys will learn that very soon. He's always a guy that speaks exactly what's on his mind. And, you know, there, there's been some press conferences after the game where he's talking, okay, I found my slider. Okay, this was the start. He had a start against the Dodgers where he – it was a rainy start. I believe it was the one against the Dodgers. But it was a rainy start. Something about the way he had mud in his cleats made him realize that the way he was planting his foot all year was wrong, and he felt like he now had control of his slider – and was was uh, going to be able to locate it in the bottom of the zone and, and be the pitcher he's been and how much success he's had with it. And then I don't know if it was the next start of the following one, but he gave up like three or four home runs and and, and, a, and one of them on a hanging slider. So you know, there's been little moments like that where it just seems like it has been off this year with Scherzer. Uh, after his last start, he was a, a little bit vocal about the trading of David Robertson and not being sure what the direction of the franchise was after trading their closer. So I think, you know, Verlander has been a little bit more of a good soldier this year through the losing, but also I think Verlander has been a better pitcher this year and maybe projecting forward. The Mets felt more confident that Verlander would be a guy that, you know, could, um, you know, contribute the next couple of years. I also think that maybe Verlander has a little more trade value and has more interest where I think the Rangers kind of identified Scherzer as the guy that could get early and keep making moves. And the, they were able to hammer out a deal here pretty quickly, too. Yeah, I'm curious as to your thoughts on what Scherzer gives the Rangers. I know, I know the 
Rangers have one of the best framing catchers in Jonah Heim in all of baseball. He's obviously on the IL for another couple of weeks, but do you think there's another level of Max Scherzer left to give besides what he's given for the Mets? Like, do you think that they can get something out of him with his former pitching coach back when he was with the Nationals in Mike Maddox and a great framing catcher in Jonah Heim? Yeah, I, I don't think Scherzer's far off, right? It's it's simply been the home run has killed him. But, like, his strikeout numbers are still good. He's still getting whiffs. The, the stuff is still there. It's just a matter of hanging sliders and just not locating the fastball, um, which is obviously very important as a pitcher. But, you know, it, it's – it's you'd have to – I'd have to look up the exact stats on it. But I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I said he's given up a home run in about – 75% of his starts this year. Now, some of them, it's one solo shot, and he gives you seven strong innings, and that's all he allows. His last start against the Nationals, it was that. He gave up one solo home run. It's when he gives up the three-run homer that he's going to hurt you. So the question is, is is Scherzer going to get back to kind of career average a little bit? Like, has, has he given up so many home runs this year that the law of average is going to draw him back and the Rangers are going to get the best couple months of Scherzer this year. I certainly think that's a possibility because I don't think that he's suddenly a bad pitcher. He's just had a real problem with executing this year. Yeah, and Scherzer's one of those guys who, I mean, unlike Verlander, Verlander was there for some rough years in Detroit, and unfortunately he didn't see any rough years while he was in Houston. That would have been really nice. Um, but it feels like Scherzer hasn't pitched for a bad team in a long, long time. Do you think being back in a postseason run with a, with a team that's really like – going at another level, is that going to be something that reinvigorates him? Or is this just kind of like who he is? He's always going to give us all no matter what, or is it even going to make a difference? Yeah, I, I think he's still, you know, going to compete the, the way he, he, he does no matter what, but I will, I, 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 the one thing I would say that could lead to that is if we remember the last bad team before this year, because the Mets have certainly been a bad team, but the last really bad team he played on was the 2021 nationals. And if I remember right, and this is off the top of my head, I believe it was like a he was like a three five ERA type pitcher with, with the Nats, um, but with the Dodgers his ERA was like sub two. He was unbelievable with the Dodgers. I don't know if you have it. You are right. Uh, a one ninety eight ERA with the Dodgers, but a, a two seventy six ERA, a terrible two seventy six ERA with the Washington Nationals in twenty. He was better than I remembered, but he did he did turn it to an extra game with the Dodgers. So. Honestly, I feel like the guy, he, he's such a competitor that even if he was on a hundred loss team, he would be, you know, out there just trying to beat the guys in front of him. But I do think that Scherzer could turn it on. And there, there has been a couple pockets of the season where we saw like five great starts in a row from Scherzer. And for this year in particular, you know, if he gives you five great starts in a row, that's about half of what you have him for, for the rest of the run here. So uh, I, I do think there is a chance that this pays off in a big way for the Rangers. Yeah, and honestly, just getting that depth, they've had a couple guys in their starting rotation who just haven't quite lived up to expectations. Heaney hasn't been anywhere near the pitcher he was with the Dodgers. Martin Perez, who I love to death, was all-star last year, absolutely deserving, and then just kind of, I mean, just really fell back down to earth in a very painful way this year. And Dane Dunning, who's been better than anyone could have expected, the stuff he throws 89 and there's not a whole lot of margin for error when you throw 89, but I'm really excited to see Scherzer. It's funny. I remember 
uh, right after our, we did our crossover episode when when Degrom f- first signed with the Rangers, me just like looking at the Mets, being like, "Wow, I can't believe they rely on all these old guys in the rotation," and then immediately having to eat all of my words about six months later and be like, "Oh no, no, no! Actually, that was a, that was a great idea. This is actually going to work out really well for the Rangers." But um, speaking of former Mets aces, I'm curious to see your thoughts on Jacob Degrom. What is he going to? What do you think he's going to look like when he comes back? Because I know Rangers fans kind of in the back of their mind because this is not just a move. This move for Max Scherzer, it's not just a move for this year it's also a move for next year where their playoff rotation could go jacob grom max scherzer and nathan eovaldi do you think that we're going to see anything close to the level of jacob grom next year that he has been or are you just really concerned that it's just too many injuries at this point uh well here's the thing i i know that there's been a lot of you know talk about the second tommy john and how that doesn't typically work out good for pitchers I'm always going to root for Jacob DeGrom, and, and I, I think that he has sort of defied uh, what people would expect of him. And again, I, I like to point out, like I did when they made the signing, it's it's in a weird way, it's overblown, the injuries, because it's all recent history. This guy was very durable for a long time, and I could see him, like another issue we've been talking about here, having the type of Verlander season that we saw last year where he comes back and he's amazing. Next year is the thing I don't know about. I could see it being a long rehab. I, I, I could see that maybe it's 2025 where Jacob DeGrom comes back and is that guy again. But if they get him healthy, I just find it hard to believe that Jacob DeGrom doesn't always get outs. Is, is he going to be striking out you know, 14 batters per nine? Maybe not. But I still feel like he's going to be a competitor that's going to figure it out with whatever stuff he has when he comes back from this. I feel like, I think he'll find a way. I think so too. And man, it was only six starts with the Rangers, but gosh, they were so electric every single pitch. Um, but I'm curious as we kind of look at your, your final thoughts on this. I mean, the Mets are sellers, the Rangers. I'm not sure that they're done. Maybe by the time this episode actually goes live, they actually have made more trades, but you got any relievers for sale that you think the Rangers might want? How, how do you feel about Adam Montevino? Uh, that was, I that wanted would, to sign Adam Adovito. Honestly, I really did. Out of, you know, I, I think season. here's the thing. I could see the Mets going two ways at this point. I could see Verlander when they talk today after the game. Uh, I could see Verlander say, you know, what? I actually do one out and they make that trade and then they just scrap it all and start over in 2024. But I could also see them keeping uh, most of what they have left. I think Tommy Pham's gone. Mark Hanna is gone. They might be gone as people are listening to this. Um, but I think that the people that will be back next year, like Brooks Raley, I imagine they hold on to that him. And I, and I think Adam Montevino is another one where I don't know if the Mets want to just be completely horrible. And if they traded the remaining two effective arms in their bullpen, they will be even more horrible. So I, I could see the Mets holding on to their bullpen arms. But if it would be one, I think it's Adam Montevino. I think that would be a fine trade for the Rangers to make. I mean, I just literally just this earlier, like earlier this afternoon, I talked about how I, I actually started to trust Jose Clerk and literally the first pitch he throws, he gives up a solo home run. So yeah, you could always use more bullpen help, always use more starting pitching help. Um, best of luck to you. It would have been really funny if the Rangers ended up putting Kumar Rocker in this trade and just the mo- most ironic of ironic deals. Honestly, glad that they held on the rocker. Cause I'm still a big believer, big believer in Max Scherzer. And I'm a big believer in Ryan Finkelstein in the locked on Mets podcast. Thank you, man. Yeah. I would have loved rocker. I really would have. 
Well, not to be. I will let you settle for Ronald Cunha Jr.'s little brother. And if he comes up and he's an all-star and reaches the ceiling, then I will be kicking myself if a washed Max Scherzer can't get outs for the Rangers in the postseason. But as long as they get there, honestly, I think that's the kind of deal that it takes. I hope your team gets back to its winning ways because I love seeing teams that spend money. I'm always rooting for teams that spend their money as opposed to those darn cheap franchises who can't sign big deals. But Ryan, thanks for taking the time. Best of luck to you and the rest of this season. And hopefully next year goes just a little bit better for your fighting New York Mets. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. Thank you to Ryan for joining me to talk about the Rangers' new former Mets ace that is going to be leading this team, hopefully on a deep, deep playoff run. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.